Is Lowry making progress as a number one option? What is Walker Kessler's ceiling? And what about free agency and draft roster building? It's all coming on an Ask LOJ edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 10th of March. The Jazz performance in Orlando shows the value of the final 17 games or so of the season. We'll look at that. Great collection of Ask LOJ questions hits all the hot topics of Jazz fans. Lowry's progression, Walker's ceiling, drafting position, free agency. Where do we go next? Plus, we wrap up the show with points gained, and of course, we'll play the lottery today as well. That's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and we are free and available for you on all podcasting platforms as well as on YouTube. Join the Locked on Jazz community. Be a part of our group and our fun people that are all part of it in the chat room. You can join in as well and chat about it. You can... Uh, on podcasting, just subscribe. Five-star reviews are always welcome. Thanks so much. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On, as well as the official uh, America's number one sportsbook. The episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, I have exciting news, um, and I'll have more details for you on Monday. But there is a product called Subtext, which allows me as a host to text out to individuals. And then you can actually text back to me and we can communicate one-on-one. So it starts as kind of a group and at times it's group. And at uh, it is subscription-based. Uh, Locked On is launching this next week. So if you want extra insight, I'll probably do kind of uh, empty the noggin type post-game reports that I used to do after games. And I'll do... Um, and also just kind of breaking news and any insight and watching games and thoughts. We'll try to figure out the cadence of it. Um, it'll be about five bucks a month, and you're welcome to subscribe uh, and be a part of that uh, elite group. So we'll have that for you starting Monday. No details yet, but I just wanted to announce that that's coming. I'm super excited uh, for Locked On to launch this and further the relationship between our hosts and our and our listeners uh, across the board. So Locked On is one of the pilot programs of that and get you board. All right, last night, before we get to all the questions, and they are super today, uh, I just thought that was a really great collective team effort by the Jazz. Um, and that's kind of what this is all about, is these final games. Is Lowry carrying his number one? Uh, Walker figuring out his role in it. Ochai playing the 30-plus minutes. Talon developing as a point guard and having that kind of game. Simone having the freedom to play a 20, 25, 30-game stretch where he's a part of the rotation and get through his doldrums and make some, and make some plays. Chris Dunn to continue to show that that he really might be a number uh, uh, a viable NBA player again. Damian Jones trying to show these things. So I thought it was a, a really nice performance by the Jazz last night, and they go to four and three in clutch, which is just really surprising to me, frankly, that they've been able to hold that together since the trades. Um, four and three in clutch since the trades, which is, you know, it's impressive. Uh, there are not a lot of easy games left on the schedule, frankly, after the Charlotte game. There are there's might not be another, one, only one or two other nights all year we're going to be favored if we're favored against Charlotte. 
Uh, so any win we can get right now, I think, is good for the guy and the spirits. And the spirit around the team is great. Like, the, the energy and the juice around the group is really, really good. Will's done a fabulous job of maintaining that. Th things can really get off the rails at this point of the season uh, for an NBA team, and you can waste a quarter of the season if you're not careful. And the spirit and energy of this group is keeping itself and maintaining it. And I think that's wildly important for the long-term future of this program and, and it moving forward. So these are important games uh, and, and important to have that kind of mentality and not let the games fall off the rails. All right, let's get right to it. You guys, I love Ask LOJ uh, days because you guys ask these questions and they're always kind of what everybody wants to talk about and they're always right on and I'm always impressed by uh, what you guys bring to the table. So um, is Lowry showing progress as being a number one option is the first question. And interestingly, this was the exact question that I asked Will Hardy to yesterday to open the press conference. So this is an easy one. And he, he really talked about it not as much. His answer to me was largely about off-the-court stuff. That Lowry's done a fabulous job off the court, being ready every night, leading every practice having that burden upon him understanding what it's like that when a game's late they're all looking to you to make the play rather than you looking to someone else and and Lowry's development in that regard so that was what Will's answer was then I followed up with like some skill things because one thing I noticed was Lowry's dribbling much lower and working on various aspects of his game and using more power around the basket um and, and we'll back that up. And then last night, the thing I noticed most about Lowry and his development was these hard drives to the basket where he stops on a dime and then the defense flies by and he's able to hold his position and shoot it. And the comparison I used on the broadcast last night is it reminds me of Steve Nash. I know that's weird, 6'1", but, or 6'3", but Steve Nash talked to me about when, I, when he had his two MVP seasons, I was talking to Nash about it, and he said, I was always on balance. I got to a physical condition and strength where I was always on balance. So no matter what my angle was driving and how much I might have looked off kilter, by the time I came set and got myself for my shot or my thing, I was always had a core strength and, a, and strength and physical prowess to always be on balance. And, and when I was always on balance, then I could always make the play. And I feel like Lowry's there, which is incredible at seven feet, 240 pounds. Um, so I think that's that's a pretty neat uh, concept. All right, next question coming in. Um, how badly does Lowry want to make the playoffs? He does, and the whole team does. They really are playing to make this plan. Like, Jazz fans can be wondering whether, my gosh, in our lottery position, was it a good or thing, bad thing to lose to Orlando? Like, these guys want to complete this story of them making a play in, being the surprise team that no one anticipated, uh, get that game. I think it'd be amazing to be in that game. And these are, and I think this is important because what it does is it means the Jazz are playing important games right now. It means the Jazz are playing games where these guys are, they've been really diligent about the game plans and staying focused on it uh, and understanding and, and the coaches are coaching them through it. And guys are, everyone's working just as hard right now as they did early in the season. They're only a half game out of the play-in, so everyone's fully engaged. And I think that's really important for the franchise. Um, are we sure that Lowry isn't a championship-level first option? He has every single tool you want uh, in one and has been clutch again and again this year. Need to see him in the playoffs to get a complimentary uh, star or two. Or excuse, um, So 
this was actually the exact debate that Ron Boone and I had on the plane the other day. Ron Boone and I debated the other day whether or not Lowry was a star or a superstar. Um, Ron was a little bit more towards superstar. I was a little bit more towards star. When we do points gained today, it might slide you a little bit toward superstar. Uh, he and the Jazz have done a nice job with this, and it might make their offense better. The one thing, and Will talked about this in Lowry's development yesterday. So Lowry is not great catching the ball stationary and creating his own momentum yet. And I thought we saw against Lou Dort, he's not always great about getting himself free off picks yet. I mean, I, we're, we're talking about, let me, let's be clear. We are nitpicking greatness right now. Like, but if you're going to be a championship level go-to guy, that's, that's the level I'm talking about. Like we're nitpicking at a very, very high level right now. So I think that that's, those are some areas. What the Jazz did last night is they got Lowry on the move every time. Every time Lowry made a play last night, I think he was on the move. I was going to go back and rewatch the um, fourth quarter, but this show is late because I had the ultimate road experience where my phone plugged in but didn't charge. So I woke up at 10.40 today because I had no alarm, which I was supposed to wake up at 8.10, um, which, or excuse me, 7.10, which tells you a little bit about what my body needed versus what my mind thought I should do. Um, so I'm just way behind on everything. Uh, and I was going to rewatch the fourth quarter. That was part of the plan. But I, my thought on last night is that Lowry's catching the ball on the move. And so the next state step for Lowry to be that championship level player is to be able to just give him the ball isolation, left wing, 18 feet out, create his own space, get to the rack, and then pass off that. And that's what he's going to develop. Ball, Will said ball handling will be the number one thing for him to work on in this offseason. Number one thing for him to work on this offseason. It's going to be his ball handling. He's seven feet tall, so the instinct is that ball gets high. And you'll recall early in the year when he came across the lane, it got nicked, there were some plays where it got uh, knocked away. He, he has done a better job. Um, he's so good. Like, he's the reason we're winning. Like, I mean, there's a bunch of guys. But, like, truly, Lowry's, like, the tank-proof piece here. He's so good, so efficient, gives us such an advantage every night that it's almost impossible for us to not win games with him. Um, but I, it's unclear. I think he's a second piece. But that's because, like, I think there's five championship pieces in the NBA. Right? There's Steph, Giannis. Luke, I think, I think, um, Joel Embiid, I think, I think, Jason Tatum, who am I forgetting? Like superstars. I think there's like six or seven in the league. And then the other level stars. Like is Devin Booker, Kevin Durant probably is superstar. Is Devin Booker superstar? Is Donovan Mitchell? Is Shea Gilgis Alexander? Is Lowry Markinen? Like I have those guys all as stars. Giannis, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid. I kind of have there. Jalen Brunson's becoming a star, not a superstar. He's becoming a star. He's been really, really good. Um, and so Lowry, I think, is in that star category. Not that, but, but. He's 25, and he's developing. He's getting better. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. Uh, if you're heading out to get a Hyundai, do it with our friends over at Murdoch. 
If you're looking for the best bang for your buck, you're looking at a Hyundai. If you're looking at cars right now, make sure you check out a Hyundai because I think you'll find out that you get uh, the most bang for your buck and you'll be wildly impressed by by what you uh, can get at Murdoch Hyundai. And uh, you'll get the great service. I'll set you up with a VIP meeting with Cameron over in Salt Lake. And if you want to go down to Linden it with Jake, if you're going up to Logan, let me know. We'll set you up there as well. So email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. And make sure that we get you the VIP treatment that all Locked On listeners deserve if you're heading over to Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash Locked On. Make every moment more with the official sportsbook of Locked On and America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel. New customers get a new no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's a bonus bet back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sports app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three strained. You name it. Include core markets like spread, over, under, total, or you can do player prop bets like points, rebounds, assists, etc. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet on $1,000 in bonus bets when you go FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel for official sports betting partner of the NBA. The uh, All right, let's continue with our, by the way, second listen of the day. Thank you for making us our first listen, second listen, Locked On Sports Today. 22-minute recap or game to game, uh, your NBA recap. All right, let's get back to more questions. Uh, those first three were outstanding, all on Lowry. Let's move the focus over, I think, to Walker at this point um, is where we're going. Um, what does Walker need to add to his defense to eventually become a defensive player of the year? So he's on that trajectory. There's no question. It's kind of a crazy concept, but in his rookie year right now, the only rim defenders that are better than him in the league are Draymond Green, Giannis, if he put him as a qualifier, and Jaron Jackson Jr. All of them will have won a defensive player of the year likely by the end of the year. So he's on that trajectory. What Will Hardy said yesterday in the press conference, you guys are right on it. These are literally the questions I asked in the press conference yesterday. Uh, what Will Hardy said yesterday in the press conference about this was that they, they've given him this slow entry as a bench player, then they kind of put him, we talked about putting him in the deep zone. They put him in the pool with floaties to start the year. Then they rip the floaties off. Now they're going to go throw him in the ocean. And the ocean is that last night he guarded Markel Fultz for a lot of the night. So, like, let what is your defensive versatility so that we can build defensive packages? So last night they used him the way the Celtics used Robert Williams throughout the year, which is guard a non-good shooter, be able to guard him well enough when they get the ball so they don't beat you, but also be able to sag in and then make an impact on other plays at the rim. Obviously blocked the first three shots of the night. It was pretty incredible. They then didn't attack. They only took seven shots at the rim in the first half because of it. So he's well on his way. Obviously, you got to get better players around him. we got to be better than 26 in the league defensively. But defensive versatility is what Will Hardy's talking about. So switching, guarding non-centers, guarding point guards. Last night, on one of the key plays of the night last night, the Magic, when they go small with Bancaro as the center, they like to play him him handling in the point guard, and they have the point guard set the pick, so then you get s stuck with your point guard on a six foot 10 235-pound Bancaro, then beat you, Bogart you the basket. What the Jazz did is they had saw it coming, tip of the hat to Will Hardy and his staff, and they put uh, 
and they made the move, and they put Walker Kessler on Markel Fultz, so Fultz set the pick, and then Walker switches on to Ben Caro, who's the center at the time, and guards him and stymied him. Um, that's defensive player of the year type stuff right there. That's exactly it. That's a fabulous question. Uh, nice work. You guys are so good. Uh, what is Walker's ceiling? So this is related, but I mean, I think ceiling is frankly defensive player of the year, but then I think offensively what you saw last night is really important. Offensive rebounds late in games are wildly important to this league. An offensive rebound in the last five minutes of a game is incredibly important. There's only eight possessions left, and you go get an extra one. And then the scoring's what it is. Walker wins the game last night. Jazz missed shots up one or two twice last night. Walker gets the rebound, puts it back up and in to put us back up two possessions, both times. That's, those are game-winning shots. And then I think you're going to see Walker be an offensive player. Like, I think he'll eventually develop, I think, a shot to the outside and be an adequate maybe three-point shooter, maybe not. Um, he's got to be able to do what Rudy couldn't do, which is on a switch against a smaller guy, be able to take advantage of him in the post. I think he'll be able to do that. Um, I, Walker's averaging 11 and 11 right now. I, I, I think his ceiling is 18 and 11. That you're adding in three field goals and two more free throws a night that he gets based on offense. Right now, he's getting everything based on the game. And I think he's getting three to four field goals a night based on offense, that they run something to him or that's the natural play in the offense um, and they get him some stuff or he pops for a jump shot uh, that he hasn't been taking. And I, so I think that's the next step. So, I mean, I think this kid, I mean, that's a crazy comment, right? But his ceiling, his ceiling is 18 and 12, one of the league leaders and rebounders, a good enough offensive player, teams have to deal with him, and he's defensive player of the year. It's crazy. Crazy. That's his ceiling, not his likelihood, his ceiling. Just want to make sure we're clear on that. Explain the tank philosophy. Let's say we hypothetically draft a generational player. Isn't there a good chance that they'll want out of Utah for the time that they're good? Yeah. I mean... I don't know what else you would do, right? So, yes, that is true. That is the negative Nelly approach. We've lost Gordon Hayward. We've traded Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Um, and so, yes, that's that's the reality of kind of our world that we live in in a small market. But that's the reality for probably 25 markets. After listening to yesterday's show, NBA Draft Breakdown with Leaf Tulene, hope you got it. I'll link to it on the YouTube at the end of the show. I believe you take the best player available at each draft slot this year. We need talent in any position we can get it. I don't even take uh, – I even take somebody at 27 as a backup center to Kessler on the roster. Do you agree? I'm not sure I would draft a center. I think I might take a center off the board. I, I, it's a waste of a pick. There's too many backup centers – you shouldn't. I don't think you're developing two centers at the same time. I think Lowry Marketing can play five if you need to. Um, I wouldn't draft a center. But otherwise, we're so short on talent. We're so short on talent. I don't mean that like Lowry's great. Walker's terrific. Coach has, I mean, you go watch that Phoenix-Dallas game the other night, the shot making. You go watch that Milwaukee-Philadelphia game and, and the level of play. Like, we're not there yet. Like, we're not anywhere near that level of play right now. What do you think about drafting combo guards? It feels like 
just a way of saying that you don't they don't have a point guard skills or a shooting guard size. Um, I'm not sure how many point guards there are anymore. And then when you think of a point guard, you think of John Stockton, Mike Conley, six one. Like I'm also not sure about six one guards anymore. Or six two guards. Like unless you're super special. Unless you're Jalen Brunson or Donovan Mitchell, I think it's really hard to be Trey Young, maybe, to be a six one guard and win in this league. Um so you better be astronomically great. Ty Ty Washington, 6'3", he was the shortest player drafted in the first round last year. So I think everything's a little bit of a combo guard at this point. And I also just think playing point guard now, a lot of it is 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 running pick and roll, creating off the pick and roll, multiple guys playing pick and roll, drive and kick. Some of the old point guard skills that we talked about. Now we do a lot more of Lowry coming off double pins and things, and the ball's got to be delivered at the right time at the right space. And there is, I'm not devaluing it. I mean, I think we've seen, like, the value of Mike Conley late in games. So you're going to have to have somebody who understands how to read a game and feel a game, but I, I'm not sure it's, like, the traditional point guard. So I don't, I don't actually even know what a combo guard is anymore. I just, like, Taylor Horton Tucker, a combo guard? Like, I just think he's a guard and he's learning how to play point guard. He's not a particularly good shooter yet, and he's going to have to shoot better and learn how to play point guard at 6'4", because he's not a spot-up, knockdown shooter. Like, Malik Beasley's pretty clear prototype, right? He's a knockdown catch-and-shoot shooter, but he's got to play the ball in his hands a little, and his lack of playing with the ball in his hands is problematic. So, I'm not, Zach, I'm not entirely sure if I understood the question correctly. Uh, from Spencer, if the Jazz somehow end up as the number two pick this year, do you have any hesitations on Scoot Henderson, given he's 6-1, um, and how the league is trending? I do. Um, I think I still draft him, but uh, Rafael Barlow on NBA, locked on NBA draft, big board has talked about Brandon Miller as the second pick of the draft. Now, that was before all the gun stuff. Gun stuff, like it's just something, like, yeah. Um, but he has talked about the idea of Brandon Miller as the number two pick of the draft over Scoot Henderson, and nobody else has, and I think that's a legitimate conversation. Now, what did I just say? Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, Jalen Brunson, like, be that special, you can survive at six. One six two. I I think he might be that special, right? I think he, I think in all likelihood he is that special. Um, and so you probably can, uh, you you still pull the trigger with him as the second pick of the draft. But I, my point is, it actually has been somewhat of a legitimate discussion. Uh, with the talent the Jazz have on the roster, how do you think they? navigate the best player, best fit aspects of the players. So I'm not trying to be rude on this, and this is probably not, like, the comment you would expect from the radio voice of the team. And so for all the people that, like, talk about how I'm a homer all the time and you can't really believe what I say because of the fact that I'm the radio... Like, I don't think we have that much talent. Like, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but, like, considering the talent we have on the roster, like, like, this team's been great. It's been fabulous to watch. It's got great energy. It's got great juice. But, like, championship level building a team, like, add talent. Not fit. Talent. We need we need dramatically, dramatic increase in talent if we're going to win a championship or be a top four team in a conference. Like, I don't... Lowry's awesome. Walker's, we just talked about. Like, it's, we need talent. 
So the idea of the question that we're fitting talent to our current roster fits to our current... No. No. Like, we need... The only thing I'd say is I don't think I'd draft a center unless you really think he could be great. Right? Like, I watched Detroit, Charlotte, last night, and, like, they're playing Wiseman and Duran, and it's like, it feels like a lot. Uh, Wiseman's interesting. It's probably worth the gamble. Jalen Duran's really good. Can be really good. He and Walker are going to be beasts in this league for a long time. Mark Williams is pretty good before he hurt his hand, too. Like, it's interesting that the seven-footer, I think, is coming back a little bit here. And I think six, five and up. Like, it's a big league. So I, I'm not of the school that school of thought, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, which I am more than people give me credit for, if we want to be really clear on it. All right. It is time for our Nissan Electric Player of the Week. This is a hard call. Like, I think we might have highlighted Chris Dunn the other day. I think we highlighted Colin Sexton before the injury. Talon had a really good game last night. But my Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria is Lowry Markkinen. I just think he got to tip the hat to greatness. He has been so good, 30 back-to-back games without JC, carrying the load, had a tough game against Lou Dort, bounced back twice. He's been brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful. That's exactly what the Nissan 2023 Aria is. It packs pin to your seat power, premium intelligence, all in one electric vehicle. The all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at nissan.usa.com. And congratulations to Lowry Markinen for being our Nissan Aria electric player of the week. Draft fans, for your second listen, Locked On NBA Big Board. All right, I got to do, I want to do points gained, and I want to get to the final set of questions here, if I can, quickly. So let me see. I think we're close to wrapping up on questions. Um, uh, I think Simone could be really good. He feels more comfortable. Do you see him as a piece for the future? You know, I don't know yet on him and whether he's a piece for the future or not, but I think the point you're making here is fabulous, which is that this is the beauty of this, like, 17, 20-game stretch where these guys get extended run, and Simone was not very good for about five or six games shooting, and he's been given enough chance so we can actually see what he is as a player and let him kind of work through it. And I think that's the... That's the beauty of this stretch. Let Talon work through it. Let Simone work through it and then learn at the end of 20 games what they are. Next question. Who are some of the players around the league you would want to pair with Lowry or you would hope we could get via free agency in the next couple of years, not necessarily this free agency? It's a really hard question to answer. Um, uh, Again, talent. Like, I'm just going really, really, really good players. I don't think I would be taking any players here based on, like, oh, they match Lowry. I I just want really, really, really good players. All right, it's time now for points gained. Points gained is our offensive metric that grades all offensive players based on their scoring opportunities used and the efficiency by which they use them. It's comp to league average offensive players 
were to use the exact same amount of possessions, how many points do you score more than league average? Uh, in the years past, we've generally, by the end of the year, we in this, I'm sure it'll be different this year with our offensive explosion. We generally have three players over three and 10 players over two. This year, it looks as though we are going to have 13 players over two, so a few more, and five players over three. Kevin Durant is the number one most offensively impactful player in the NBA at 4.3. That's a really high number. In fact, Jokic led the league last year at 3.9. Steph led the league the year before at 4. 19-20 season. Harden led the league at 3.3. 18-19 season. Giannis led the league at 3.6. We haven't had somebody up at 4 here in a while, have we? I think we're going to go back. have to get back to Steph's unbelievable season. 17-18, Steph led the year at 4.7. So Durant's having the best offensive season since Steph in the 17-18 season, which is one of the historically greatest seasons of all time. Jokic is 4.1. Curry is 3.9. Joel Embiid is a 3.4. And Dame Lillard is a 3.4. So those five guys are all over three. I don't... Last year, as I said, we had... Last year, we had five guys over three, too. Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert, Kevin Durant, Giannis Adekumbo, and Jared Allen. Year prior, we had four guys over three. Curry, Durant, Zion, and Jokic. Year before, we had four. So I guess we usually have four over three. Harden, Carl Anthony Towns, John Collins, and Dame Lillard. And in 18-19, we had three guys over three. Giannis, Steph, and Harden. And then we had Steph's amazing year with Harden, Durant, and Carl Anthony Towns over three. So right now, it's five guys over three. Durant, Jokic, Curry, Embiid, and Lillard. By the way, those numbers all match pretty well to like tell you that these are the best offensive players in the league. Number six is Lowry Markkinen. He's at a 2.9. He is an elite, elite offensive player. He is one of the six most positively impactful offensive players. He's why we win games. Zion, in his limited time, 29 games, is next. Demata Sabonis, why Sacramento's winning. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 2.2. Anthony Davis, 2.1. Rudy Gobert is up to 2.1. Jared Allen, 2.1. Get the centers in here. Miles Turner, 2.1 at 2.0. And then Nick Claxton. Interesting kind of elite players moving forward to compare Lowry. So Lowry is a go-to guy, primary players at a 2.9. Here are some other go-to guy primary players. Jimmy Butler's at 1.8. Luka's at 1.7. James Harden's at a 1.5. Tyrese Halliburton's at a 1.4. Kawhi Leonard's at a 1.4. Kyrie's at a 1.4. Donovan's to a 1.3. Jason Tatum's at a 1.2. Zach Levine's a 1.1. I'm just looking at go-to number one options. Um, Giannis is a 0.9. It's not particularly efficient. Darius Garland's a 0.8. And... That's kind of, Desmond Bain is not really go-to guy at point six. Demar Derozan's a point six. Paul George is a point six. Devin Booker's a point six. Jalen Brunson's a point six. That's interesting. We had a conversation earlier today about stars versus superstars. That would lead me to believe those are stars, and lead you to believe Lowry's a little bit more of a superstar. 
least efficient offensive players in the league that are hurting their teams. Uh, and that Dylan Brooks is the negative three. So Dylan Brooks just wipes out one of your great players. Killian Hayes, minus three. Terry Rozier, we'll see tomorrow, minus 2.8. Russell Westbrook, minus 2.4. Kelly Oubre, who we'll see tomorrow, minus 2.1. Paulo Bencaro, minus 2.1. He's going to win rookie of the year. I was not impressed last night. His legs looked dead. Jabari Smith, minus 1.9. Everyone's killing Jabari Smith, and Paulo is having a less efficient year. R.J. Barrett, that's really worrisome if you're a Nick, minus 1.8. Jalen Green still down here at minus 1.8. LaMelo Ball is out for the year, minus 1.7. Both balls out for the year. Any elite-level players, minus 1. C.J. McCollum still at a minus 1.6. Fred Van Vliet's at a minus 1.5. It's Ben Taylor's fault. Josh Giddey's a minus 1.4. DeJounte Murray's a minus 1.3. John Morant's a minus 1.2. Changes your perspective on some of these guys, doesn't it? And that's probably it as I scan through just top to bottom. So the question earlier of like players you might like, um, you know, find me guys that are above league average. In their offensive, I mean, that's what I believe in, is that you want guys, all your guys to be above league average, and when you have a mar- key guy like Lowry Markkinen, you can do well. Here's Markkinen, Jazzer Markkinen's a 2.9, Walker Kessler's a 1.4, Kelly Olenek 1.1, Colin Sexton 0.9, Chris Dunn 0.6, Damian Jones 0.4, Ochai's even, Jordan Clarkson's a minus 0.8, Simone's a minus 1.1, Rudy Gay's a minus 1.1, Talon's a minus 1.3. There you go. All right. Let's do our tankathon draft simulation. All right. Here we go. Coming into it, as of today, the Jazz start in, tied with Toronto for the 11th, 12th draft position. Minnesota's tied for the 16th draft position. And then Philadelphia were 27th. So we'll have, here we go. Let's do, let's do it. Here it is. The number one pick of the NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. The number two pick of the NBA draft goes to the Houston Rockets. The number three pick of the NBA draft goes to the Charlotte Hornets, who bumped up one. Orlando goes number four. So the teams that did not win games make it worthwhile. San Antonio slips to five. Indiana at six. Orlando gets Chicago's pick at seven. So Orlando in this would have four and seven. Oklahoma City gets the eighth pick. Portland gets the ninth pick. Washington 10, 11, Toronto. Jazz finished 12th. New Orleans 13, Lakers 14. Minnesota holds at 18 or somewhere in that mix with a coin flop toss. So in this scenario, Jazz end up with 12, 17, and 27. If you want more, go watch the uh, Leaf to Lean uh, episode yesterday where he breaks down who to watch during March Madness for all those picks. Thanks very much for listening to Locked on Jazz. Sorry for the delay today. Hope you're doing great.